0: I want you to imagine this evening that you are this man, Jacob, in this remarkable story. You're in a right mess. Your mother has encouraged you to deceive Esau out of a blessing. You have lied to your father and you have claimed to be Jacob. The whole thing is an absolute mess and you know it. And what an awful mess it is. And Rebecca has said to you, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran." And stay with him a few days, until your brother's fury subsides. And so it is that you travel away from home, and your father has a word with you too. And he calls you to, to him, and charges you. You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paradon, Aram to the house of Bethel, your, father's mother, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And you know that Rebecca had already told you that Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. What a terrible and an awful situation you're in. And you're thinking to yourself, if only I could undo the wrong that I've done. And then you comfort yourself with reminding you that you've got your Father's blessing, which really should have been Esau's. And all the consequences of all this deception bear heavily upon you and so you're on your journey and you're about 60 miles from Beersheba and you're very sad at leaving home and from a very young age you're aware that you've been a mummy's boy in her eyes you could do no wrong she absolutely dotes on you And she encouraged you with regard to this terrible deception. There was great sadness in leaving home. But there was a sense of joy that you got the blessing. And then there's fear of what would happen if Esau catches up with you. And there's sorrow. And all these feelings mixed together. And you're on your journey and this particular night you are absolutely knackered and you take a stone for a pillow not the most comfortable pillow to put your head on and you don't realise that night you're going to have the greatest surprise so far in your life and you see something in your dream that blows you away you see a remarkable ladder. And the ladder is set up on the earth. And its top reaches heaven. And you see the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And then you see something amazing. You see something of God, Yahweh. And he's speaking direct to you. You certainly don't deserve any intervention by God. I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. God is revealing himself to you right there in the mess that you're in. And you see the ladder, and you see the angels going up and down, And there's God at the top of the ladder. And then there's an amazing promise. And your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. and it's amazing words you don't deserve any of this after all you've done you're blown away by it all. and you wake up shaking like a leaf Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. How could you not be fearful after what you've just seen? And you are suddenly gripped with fear. How awesome is this place? And your hands are trembling like a leaf how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven the word awesome you know must only be used in relation to God and you certainly use it And the early in the morning you rise up. And in a very immature way you try and broker a deal with God. After all that you've seen, you still think that you can be a wheeler dealer with God. If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, that I come back to my Father's house in peace and the Lord shall be my God. This is the deal. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. This is the deal, God. Are you going to accept the deal? God should have slapped him down. Shouldn't he? But he didn't. God is a God of amazing grace, as we're going to see in a moment. What impertinence to try and broker a deal with a God that you have grieved and you have lied against. And then of course you make the offer of tithing. And I will give a tent to you, tithing before the Lord. this is one of the most incredible portions of the word of God who would be his descendants for they would be as the dust of the earth can you count the dust and they would spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed And when Paul the Apostle was writing to the believers at Galatia he expanded on that. Amazing statement. And in Galatians 3 and verse 26 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ are put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Promise is given to Abraham. Promise is given to Jacob. Promise goes on and on right until the second coming. That if you are Christ. They knew of Abraham's seed. What an amazing promise to a most unworthy recipient. That every believer in a gospel day would be part of that promise. And you and I tonight are part of that promise. Given to Jacob, a most unworthy recipient of it. And then we notice that this ladder came to where Jacob was and it came to a messed up life and we think of those words that we read given to Nathaniel, in John 1 and verse 51 and he said to him most assuredly I say to you hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man quite clearly that this is a reference to this amazing dream that Jacob had and no doubt Nathaniel would immediately think of this amazing encounter you won't see it with physical eyes but with spiritual eyes and you'll see evidence that it is so the thing will take place and you will be a witness of it heaven opens Conferring the most amazing favors. Heaven was open when the Lord Jesus came into this world as God's inexpressible and an amazing gift. Angels were present with the Lord Jesus in the wilderness in Mark 1 and verse 13. An angel came and strengthened the Lord Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And an angel was there when he rose. From the dead. The stairway, the ladder came to us. The Son of Man came from heaven's glory. And he came from heaven's glory to the most unworthy recipients. And he came in great humility, he was born and laid in an animal's feeding trough. And he came. To deal with messy lives, Jacob was in a real mess. And messy lives are God's speciality. You've been looking at the Book of Esther in the midweek meetings. I continue to spy on you. But what a mess in Esther! And yet behind it all, there is the amazing providence of God. Philip Swann makes a point that Esther must have been in a immoral relationship with the king. And yet behind it all, the most awful mess, God is at work. we think of the mess of David's sin with Bathsheba we think of that terrible and awful mess that took place there and how that Nathan had to go and expose that mess and David came and he had to pray Psalm 51 against thee the only have I sinned and we know that there were ongoing consequences of that terrible sin what a mess was the life of Jonah The one thing that Jonah got right you know was in that fish's stomach salvation is of the Lord he got that right didn't he and yet behind it all the Lord was at work but the biggest mess of all was Calvary the unjust trial The horrendous violence to an innocent man, a spineless pilot washing his hands of the situation, the triumph of self righteous religious hypocrisy, mob law and the cry crucify him. through the awful mess of Calvary the message could go out to the world everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved what an amazing message from the most horrendous mess and if you and I had been looking at Calvary we would have thought all these people deserve to be consumed by the wrath of God Yet we know that there were those who were saved on the day of Pentecost. Some weeks ago, I was with my son up in Leamington Spa, and there was a baptizing service there in an Anglican church. Somebody told us they hadn't opened the baptistry for 20 years, the the place where they duck infants. This was a baptism by immersion. And when we got home, my son said to me, Dad, you know that man who was helping with the baptisms? Yes, John, I said. He's an ex-drug stealer. And his wife is an ex drug addict, a totally messed up life and yet God specializes in messed up lives. The man who preached that day was a local bishop and I'm not very keen on bishops in the church of England but there are some good ones and this was a good one the Bishop of Warwick and did he preach the word of God and he said this I go into prisons and I find it's easier to reach people in prisons and in churches because people have a sense of need they know they've messed up I would have to say this to you tonight without Christ and without the Lord Jesus in your life, your life will be a mess too. You may not go to prison, but everybody's life without Christ is an absolute mess. You see, what was Jacob's problem? It was the living for himself. This is what creates the mess. This is why people are in prison. Because they live for themselves. That's what sin is. The DNA of sin is man living for himself. And you're always going to be in that mess. So long as you live without the Lord Jesus. And you may be here tonight and you may say to yourselves or you may even hear over the internet my life is a complete and utter mess. So is Jacobs. And God met with him in the Old Testament. And God can meet with you. Whatever you've done Wherever you are, he can meet with you. He knows all about you. He knew all about Jacob. He knew that Esau should have had the blessing. And what amazing grace! Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What amazing grace! he didn't deserve that did he and you don't deserve salvation and I didn't deserve it either and my life was a mess too but God specialises in dealing with people in a mess and he can meet with you you may be listening tonight I guarantee this that he can meet with you because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and if he came into the world to save sinners which he did he came into the world to save you didn't he? the same grace the same undeserved kindness is available to you Aren't you thankful that the Bible never whitewashes its heroes? It tells us as it really is. It doesn't gloss over the faults and the failings. It writes the true story for everyone to read. And then I want you to notice Jacob's response to this. in verses 16 and 17 Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven he was left in awe in awe of the living God he did not dance around he was left speechless when Jacob put his head down that night he had no idea of what was going to happen but he was aware of it now the gate of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus, when he was here, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. I am the door. He didn't say, I am, am, I am a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is totally unique. My friend, you need to find that way. And that way is available tonight in this place. Or hearing this message. The Lord is in this place. May I suggest to you that that is the great need today. An awareness that God is in this place. There was once a great preacher called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones... And someone once asked him this question Doctor, why don't you greet people at the beginning of the service? In his own blunt way he said they're not here to meet with me they're here to meet with God. Well he was partly right because it is lovely to meet with the people of God too. But surely we should be desiring in this day of small things, or even in this day of microscopic things, a special manifestation of God. A friend of mine was brought up in what was known as a peculiar people. I'm talking about 60 years ago. And as a boy, he used to go to the meeting in Wallace Avenue Evangelical Church in South End. And he said this to me I can remember sitting in the pews as a boy with people shaking under conviction of sin. How awesome is this place? And prostitutes were converted in South End just after the war. And I used to go to Romania, I was in a meeting one night and people were shouting out in the middle of the meeting. I said, what are they shouting? They're calling upon the Lord to save them. One of the evangelists told me, powerful evangelist, one Saturday night they had an outreach meeting and there were so many people they had to move the meeting into a car park, an open-air car park. And the spirit came down and 50 people were swept into the kingdom of heaven that night. Not decisionism, not shallow decisionism. Not something that we can produce. But God sovereignly coming. There was a great revival in 1907 in Pyongyang, which is now North Korea. And many of these believers in North Korea are descendants of that great revival of 1907. When Paul the Apostle wrote to the believers at Corinth, he had to use a great deal of corrective surgery. But he said this, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and a power there was something extra there was something additional there was something the preacher could not produce it was the power of the spirit I remember being in a prayer meeting in Bala in North Wales many years ago a minister's prayer meeting it was for Welsh ministers and I used to get in by the back door and they used to stand up and they used to pray for the anointing of the spirit I remember one brother praying one night Lord we're like a loose sleeve put your arm in the sleeve and I can tell you that God was in the place and they knew what it is to know freedom and liberty in prayer. And people will come because they have heard that God is with us. Zechariah 8 verse 23. It was a sacred spot. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel <clears throat> but the name of that city had been lost previously Bethel some fellowships have named themselves Bethel there used to be a church at Guildford that I went to called Bethel there are no sacred spots today No sacred buildings, the Reformation put an end to it all. What are we? Paul the Apostle makes it very clear in Ephesians 2 and verse 22 (coughs) In whom you are being built together, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God and my friends believers in heaven will have no labels if a person is a Christian they are the dwelling place of God I was interested to hear the ministry of that dear brother two weeks ago John Harris and I could have given him a quotation and it's this, God in his inscrutable wisdom has not been placed, pleased to place all of his truth with a group of his people. But I would add a pierce to that, but most groups think he has. If a person is a believer, we're no trap with false prophets, we're no trap with liberals. If they are united in the essentials of the gospel, they are brothers in Christ. If they have been born again of the Spirit, they are one in the gospel. But then finally, we notice Jacob's bargain with God. Who is a wheeler dealer? Is Jacob doing a deal with God? is Jacob the Dell boy. This is what I'll do if you do this. Then you will be my God. And I will give you a tenth. And God could have said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Jacob? I've told you all I'm going to do. And the way I'm going to bless you, I know you think you can do a deal with me. Can I say a word? Doesn't God bear with us well too? Doesn't God bear with our fickleness? Doesn't he bear with our ignorance? Doesn't he bear with the coldness of our hearts? Doesn't he bear with our apathy? Doesn't he bear with our lack of understanding? God, in grace, through the preaching of his word, discloses himself to us. And sometimes we are so foolish as a result. And yet God does not dispense dispense with us. He's wonderfully gracious, wonderfully loving, wonderfully kind. He should have washed his hands with me many years ago. And he hasn't. And this is an amazing statement that we have here. By Paul the Apostle. Quoting scripture, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. How can he love Jacob? He does. Love Jacob? He does. You say, but this is unfair. Who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Was nothing lovable here in Jacob. Was there? But God loves for love's sake. and that name could be taken out and your name, if you're a believer could be inserted there and that's absolutely mind blowing it's not God being unfair it's God being absolutely amazing the amazing thing is not that God doesn't save everyone but God saves anyone least of all the man standing here tonight before you sovereign grace of sin abounding it's all because he has said I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and we stand on the edge of a great mystery and we bow before God's sovereignty and we say Lord what amazing love to me It is absolutely incredible. That's why when we see people in the world, that's when we see homosexuals, we don't think we're any better than that. Left to ourselves, we could have been far worse. But we long that they might taste and see the riches of his grace. And we're absolutely amazed. God, holy, a consuming fire, could love me, could love me, it should melt our hearts and humble us and make us grateful and say, Why, O oh Lord? Why, O oh Lord, such love to me? let us pray oh God in heaven what a mystery Jacob who oh I loved Esau saw I hated a vilest offender who truly believes moment from Jesus a partner receives and Lord down through history you've taken hold of some of the vilest and the foulest and you're still doing it in order that they might be monuments to your grace and we thank you Lord tonight for every believer here who is that monument And we would not dare rob you of the glory that is due to your holy name. And we would have to say, with Paul the by the grace of God, I am what I am. And we pray for those in our midst, or those who may be listening in, who have never come to know this so great salvation. Come to them, O Lord, we pray, in their messed up lives. And save them by your grace we ask in Jesus' name.